It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Welcome, everybody, back to the Believe in NXT podcast. Like always, it's one half of the podcast tag team champions. Your co-host, Jacob DeLawrence. And like usual, my boy Cedric Welton is riding shotgun with me. And we're here. It's Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, whenever you're listening to this. So, But it dropped on a Wednesday, so that can only mean one thing. We're here to preview tonight's NXT. We got a interesting-looking lineup tonight, to say the least. Building towards TakeOver, we got Adam Cole having some more beef with Regal. We got a cage fight, and WWE is harping on the word fight. We got a lot to talk about, and we're going to get into that. And also, oh, um, there's one other thing that we have to talk about. Uh, what is it? Um, um, oh, we're still the podcast tag team champions, Kel. Still. Still holding on to our belts. We still want the smoke, though. The invite is still there for you and Andreas. We come to the corner. We could bring both of you back here. It doesn't matter. To say my belt is still right here, says belt is still right there. We ain't giving them up. Y'all ain't finna be, oh, we're the new day. We'll let you play with them when you want them. No, no. We own these belts now. You started this. It's a thing now. But anyway, said, how you doing today? Reigning, defending, undisputed podcast tag team champions and i'm feeling pretty good today you know and i I think i want some more gold i might make a trip to tampa for that 24 7 365 i9 7 11 (laughs) championship that rob gronkowski got you know just just let's just add to the collection yeah you know why not i'll meet your collection i'll meet you down in tampa we can run up on gronk real quick yeah yeah Easy roll up, just like just like uh, Truth did Riddick Moss. Like it won't it won't take more than just a few seconds, and then we'll just get in the car and leave. He he got stuff to do anyway. He doesn't need the title. Exactly, and I'm slightly I'm slightly confident in our ability to outrun Gronk just long enough. Oh, absolutely! Like just long enough. Absolutely, definitely confident in my ability to outrun him. And I can hear a bunch of people just groaning and rolling their eyes like, you guys can't outrun a pro athlete. Mm. Mm. You'd be surprised, man. Mm. Surprise. I'm pretty sure I can outrun a couple of uh, defensive tackles in the league right now. Yeah. Offensive linemen. Yeah. A couple tight ends. Although I will say this. I was watching the Rocks uh, show Titan Games last night, and Joe Thomas can still go, man. He looks completely terrifying. (laughs) <laughs> 50 pounds less than what he was um, as, as, at his playing days in Cleveland. So that is a strong man that is very agile for a lineman. Yeah, I just saw a tweet today earlier from, I um, can't remember who it was. Forgot my, it's one of my boys. He does NFL coverage. You probably heard him pop up on a podcast too. And he was talking about how he wanted to see uh, like Deontay Poe drop like 50 to 100 pounds and let him run some of the combine um, drills again because he did them at that weight and it's scary. 
Right. I remember but yeah, that. straight line with a couple zigzags. I like my chances against a couple linemen on both sides of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. You know, we said what we bet. said. I take that bet. Yeah. Exactly. We said what we said. We went to smoke. If you're listening to this and you're an NFL lineman or college football lineman, former or current, and you feel some type of way, all you got to do is add us. I'm at underscore J Della. Said is at said underscore says. That is C-E-double-D underscore S-A-Y-S. And you can add the Believe in NXT podcast on Twitter as well, which is Believe in NXT. All one word, all together. Believe is spelled B-L-E-A-V. And don't forget to follow Believe Podcast, the number one podcast network for, for, for professionals, and they are at Believe Podcast. Boom. There you go. That was all of it. Now, let's get to this NXT episode, because last week was a pretty, I guess we called it promo-dominant episode. Yeah, it was package-heavy. Definitely. Yeah, definitely definitely promo-dominant. And we had a lot of stuff. And the card for NXT TakeOver In Your House is finally starting to take shape. We got confirmation that the women's title will be defending the triple threat with Charlotte, EO, and Rhea Ripley. Uh, confirmed is Damian Priest and Finn, Finn Balor. So the card is taking shape. Um, we assume that they'll at least add three more matches to the card. Um, how are you feeling about that pay-per-view when we're, what, just another week out? I'm feeling good about it. Just looking at what is confirmed right now, you have... The triple threat for the women for the NXT title. You have Priest versus Finn. And you have the finals of the interim Cruiserweight Tournament champ. So that's one, two, three. That's three good matches. I feel like I saw a fourth one. But either way. Cross and Chopper. Thank you. I knew I was forgetting something. And Cross and Chopper. Yeah, that's a solid card. You'll probably get one or two more matches. So I feel good about it. I asked that question for a reason. And I think you know where I'm going with this. All right, what we got? There was a pay-per-view this past weekend. And uh-huh. I sent you a text. Mm-hmm. And I meant it with every fiber of my body. And I'm going to go down on this. The stadium stampede might have been the best match I've seen all year. Okay, that is not the text you sent me, but okay. I, it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm rewording what I said. I said before... It was on par with Firefly Funhouse, and I'm here to tell you today that it's better. You know what? That it's better. And um, <laughs> I just hear Mike get disconnected. Um, I was going to say, that sound y'all just heard was me throwing my headphones and pushing <laughs> back from my desk. I, I'm done. Like, and, and it's like, it was just 45 minutes of just complete chaos and hilarity and this is and and this is why i ask about the nxt in your house takeover card because they takeovers don't miss ever but like on the heels of that which everybody is still talking about we're gonna be talking about it for the rest of the year you really can't miss you got to have something that is gonna blow the minds of the fans and if there's something so little as the in your house original set isn't there we're gonna critique the hell out of it we might not even pay attention to the action anymore because they don't have the original set. It'll be that simple. Oh, you're you're right. But to say that match was on, I'm sorry, was better than the Fun House. Nah, 
simply for the fact that Funhouse paid off like 10 years, five years. Like long-term storytelling at its finest. Absolutely. I don't discredit any of that. And I love the Firefly Funhouse match. It's the most unique thing I've ever seen done. But from a, just from having a full football stadium and being able to use every like every inch of the stadium like that was pretty damn good i can't even front like i can't even front it it, it was dope it was dope i don't think it could be duplicated yeah i mean ortiz and santana did use adobo as a weapon and i enjoyed the matt hardy bit in the pool where Santana Ortiz could actually see the Matt Hardy facts. And, you know, I, 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 it was good. Not on the level of the funhouse, though. The mascot took a Judas effect. Chris Jericho challenged the pin on the play. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> this was comedic gold. Like, gold. And, I'm, and it's like gold amongst 10 people. Do you know how hard that is? Oh, I, I understand. For 10 people to all be on the same page like that? Like, hangman riding a horse. And then you got him and um, Swagger sharing a drink. And they've been like, all right, let's do this. I, I get it. The milk. I, I get it. The bar. The it. bar it part. The, the, yeah. the dragging the guy against the bar like a Western scene. Come, come on, man. I said it was good. Okay. Like Firefly House. Completely memorable. Um, seeing John Cena come out in the NWO gear. Uh, everything they did was like great callbacks. Uh future references that didn't happen to make you think, all right, what if? But, like, this was also action. That was more of a movie. This was, like, also a wrestling match. It was action involved, more so than the Firefly Funhouse, which makes you feel like, okay, I I might give a little edge here, you know? So, again, like I said, compare it to the Boneyard match then. Stadium Stampede completely washes the Bone Bone Yard match. So that's not fair. That's the more accurate comparison. Or, it, or better yet, compare it to Chop and Gargano. It completely washes that too. Again, completely. Those are more accurate comparisons. That's like comparing a Granny Smith apple to a Fiji apple to a Washington apple to a golden apple to a yellow apple versus trying to compare an orange in the Firefly Funhouse to a damn. Apple, we'll stick with apples, in the um, Stadium Stampede. I like to think of the Stadium Stampede as a more exotic fruit, like a papaya or a pineapple. Um, that's just me. I'm sorry, did we a, just call it pineapple exotic? It's more of a super fruit, or if you, or if you like pomegranates, it has to be something. A dragon fruit? Maybe. Hold on, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me stop real quick. Um <laughs> You do realize we're about five to ten minutes in on this podcast, right? And we, like, made brief mention of what we came here to talk about. And now we're somehow sitting here talking about fruits and comparing it to wrestling. That's not quite as bad as some other dick out here in the podcast world comparing a wrestler to some other activity. That is bad as that. that up. We was going, we was going, I, I definitely want to get on his head today, too. Uh, th- this is what the people come to see us for. They come to believe in NXT... They, they they come for the wrestling uh, takes, but they stay for the sidebars. Pretty much. Come they, for they the stay, for the, stay for the banter. You know, I mean, we just went on a complete tangent, and now we're talking about fruits and exotic fruits. But, I mean, it's completely relevant to the task at hand because we always get back on track. We never, we never get off the train tracks completely. 
this all ties true. back somehow. This is and I'm true. just saying, at the Stadium Stampede, you know, it, it's, it's top two and it ain't two right now. Okay. And, and right. it's not saying it can't be passed. Maybe I'll go back and watch the Firefly Funhouse later today and I'll be like, all right, you know, maybe I, maybe I was a little blasphemous with my claim, but right now, on the heels of seeing it, mm-mm. Okay. That was money. Moment. It's cool. I get it. It was money. Everything was hilarious about that match. Every last thing. I, I get it. It was great. It was perfectly executed. They shot it at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I get it. I didn't know that. That's yeah, actually a fun fact. Yeah. Because you got to think about how much stuff that you had to work in. The cuts. You got to make sure like everything was just right. That's dope. Imagine living within an earshot of the stadium and hearing all that pyro and stuff going off. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because for those that don't know, I also cover the Jaguars. And shout out to Phil and James of the Believe in It. Um, wow, I almost said Believe in XT. Believe in the Jaguars podcast. Those boys are doing great work over there. So if you're a fan of the Jacksonville Jaguars, definitely go subscribe and listen to their podcast. But the Jag Stadium, when you're coming into Duval County, and you get in the city of Jacksonville, you can see that thing like as soon as you're there. Mm-hmm. And it is downtown, and there's like several neighborhoods nearby. So it's not one of those stadiums that's like out away from things. Nah, this is not quite the heart of the town, heart of the city, but it's there. And like you have neighborhoods, and you can easily hear pyro going off. So yeah, I'd imagine three, four o'clock, in the morning and you just hear power and you're just like what the hell but also if you've lived in the area long enough kind of just have to be used to it yeah I guess I mean that's where you pay to live yeah. I mean pre-taped you had what four referees three referees mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good match it was a good match I'll give them credit and I'm not sure about the fun house though but speaking of matches and match of the year and best match that you've seen this year. Let's just jump off right into this week's NXT because we're going to double back to the takeover in your house bit in a second. And this kind of plays into that because me and you thought for sure we were going to get Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher at takeover. Mm-hmm. But nah, they decided to give it to us tonight. And then they're like, hey, it's a cage fight. Heavy emphasis on the word fight, which is really interesting to me. Kind of gives me that brawl for all Lions Den vibe. And then they throw a wild card in here of bringing in the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle himself, to be the referee for a fight that can only end by knockout or tap out. What are you mm-hmm. expecting? Like, are we expecting cinematic? Like, since we're over here talking about cinematics and fruit, are we expecting cinematic to see and find a way to cinematically show Matt Riddle's head getting pressed like a pineapple? So I actually don't expect this to be cinematic for everything you said last week. Um, And that's the fact that they did it so good the first time where it looked like a real fight that you don't want to take anything away from the creativity of both superstars. So I don't expect cinematic at all. Um, Also, I don't know if we can do a cinematic match right now in NXT because if you watched Raw uh, Monday night, you know that they used they finally used fans and I think they did it in a more safe way where everybody was socially distanced. They had plexiglass around the entire barricade. So I'm not sure 
if they're going to be doing, there are a lot of NXT hopefuls and performance center guys. So I'm not sure if they're going to be doing that for NXT. Uh, I don't think they made the call yet, but they're definitely going to be doing it for SmackDown. But why not? I think that's one thing that's made AEW exciting is seeing all the superstars slander each other during the match and have signs. <laughs> um, but just for that aspect alone, let's say they do pull the trigger on that for NXT tonight. Then I think that takes away from the cinematic aspect. Plus, I don't know what role Kurt Angle plays in this. Um, but I think that hurts the cinematic aspect of it as well. All right. So you bring up good points. And like I said last week, I don't want this to be cinematic, but I can kind of see if they went to go that route. And I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, one, I'm actually a fan of the plexiglass. I kind of like how it looked, especially on the entrance ramp. You got the lights and the graphics bouncing off of it kind of gives a unique feel to it. Makes it look like a hockey arena, though. I kind of like that. And I read a report that allegedly they're going to keep the plexiglass in place for the foreseeable future, even once they return to live shows with regular fans. Actually, I had a, a co-host for After Buzz, uh, Mr. Global Boy C, actually tweeted that last night that they're going to be doing that for the foreseeable future. So does that automatically diminish having front row seats at an event? Yes and no. Because I'm going to go with your whole comparison of a hockey rink. Does it diminish having front row seats at a hockey rink when you get Alexander uh, Ovechkin's face pressed up against the glass right in front of you? But I think the point of having, and this this goes back to that that one host you just, just, we're going to slander some more. Um, I think for some fans who do spend the coin to go to the front row, it's like so they can actually shake hands with the superstars and maybe even get to get a fist bump from a superstar, touch a superstar. I think that's the allure of sitting in the front row. Yes, it's that. And then also, I'll counter this, front row at a basketball game, your ass ain't touching nobody. Unless you want to get the Russell Westbrook treatment. Like, you ain't touching nobody. Point. Good point. Same for baseball. Like, if you're front row in baseball, and baseball put up a safety net because people got kept getting hit by foul balls, which it took this long as a story in itself. But hey, it's for your safety. Because imagine hockey with no plexiglass. Dangerous. You ever been to a hockey game like at any level? <sighs> and see how quick that puck can move. Like I've been to like yeah, minor league hockey and see how fast that puck moves from them. So only imagine, like, top of the top, how fast that puck is going. Like, if they say a baseball could kill you, I'm pretty sure a hockey puck could kill you. Pretty sure. But what does that mean for, um, I guess, the creators of WWE? Do do those tickets become discounted, or what happens there? Why am I going to discount it? You still want that experience. You still want to be close. You still want to be front row. So now, instead of being able to reach out and touch a Randy Orton, an Andrade, a Drew McIntyre, a Seth Rollins, now I can sit here and see Seth Rollins get his face smashed in the plexiglass right in front of me. It gives you another experience. Okay. You, you work in sales. I have a business degree. I'm just giving you another incentive and another experience, something that you can't get, something you wouldn't be able to get before. 
the plexiglass wasn't there, at best you would get a head off the guardrail and they would have to sell it. Now, plexiglass? Oh, I'm going to throw Tazawa, Drake Maverick, smallest person you can think of, Rey Mysterio. I'm going to lawn dart his ass right into the plexiglass like uh, the Giant did back in WCW. So you're looking at it from the positive standpoint of, okay, there's there's a... There's a plus side to this, of course, by comparing it to another sport. Yes. It brings back the sport and the entertainment aspect to it. And then also, just think about it. Assuming we're going to a quote-unquote new normal where people are going to be more aware of things and want don't necessarily want to be on top of each other before. Mm-hmm. This also allows you that space, that freedom, that separation. And let's just say and imagine that WWE allows color. Now. Now I got Seth Rollins bleeding right in front of me on plexiglass instead of bleeding on me. Because even the least germaphobic person, pretty sure they don't want somebody else's blood on top of them. Absolutely not. <laughs> it, I've seen blood stop pick up basketball games at the lowest level. So yeah, people don't want that at all. Yeah. So there we go. It's all positives, baby. That's how I see it. All right. I feel that. So look at it as a benefit. And on top of that, I do one better. Let's say we get to WrestleMania in LA next year, still doing plexiglass, right? I might even find a way to be able to sell you that plexiglass as part of your package. <laughs> I got to hear this. Hey, you want that $7,000, $6,000 WrestleMania seat like Kel talked about in the interview? That's cool. Guess what? We're going to charge you an extra like 500 And guess what? You could take a piece of this. We will cut off and label and give you a certificate authenticity of the plexiglass piece. And we'll mail it to you after the show. Wow. So also, if this becomes a thing, I am sending a C and D or I either want damages and reparations. I need a recoupment here. You're going to send an invoice? Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, wow. Jacob just could just created a whole monopoly around how to monetize Plexiglass. the new normal of fan attendance, which which is not a bad thing, but it's kind of sad considering that people are probably going to jump all over this because the the madness of people just staying inside is so bad uh, to some. So they're going to be like, absolutely, I'm going to pay all my stimulus money and then some to go to a WWE event because it's been so long. Like, <laughs> like folks who want to even wrestle fans are like, oh, wrestling's in town, let's go, honey. Like, what's a, what's a throwaway pay-per-view of the year? Um, like a backlash like an extreme rules. If they ever brought it back, great balls of fire, something like that. Yeah. Something um, in that post WrestleMania pre summer slam. You're going to see record attendance in one of those. Just, just <laughs> because like that pay-per-view that we get like two weeks built to that's in between like mania and a Saudi show. Yeah. Yeah. That's <sighs> do better. People do better. <laughs> it's like, do not do not prove WWE right to capitalize on your mindset and your money like that. It's not worth it. But going back to the cage match, and let's assume that's legit cage, Lions Den style. 
I still don't see why you have Kurt Angle there other than to make the judgment call. So uh, I got, I know why this just hit me when you mentioned it. So you know why you put Kurt Angle in there? Go ahead. Thatcher, MMA background, legit tough guy. Riddle, former UFC standout, legit tough guy, has threatened to whoop Brock Lesnar and Goldberg's ass multiple times. You know what Kurt Angle has that almost no other person on WWE roster has? Gold medal. An Olympic gold medal. Like you have Chad Gable, who's an Olympian. Angle has a gold medal. Angle has a background. Angle is considered as one of the greatest amateur wrestlers ever. And that is completely pre-WWE. Like he's in those Hall of Fames. It's credibility. Because I feel like this shit's going to break down. And Angle might have to hit a German on one or two of them. Okay. So if you're telling me I get to see Kurt Angle German suplexes, then um, sign me up. Sign me up. If I get to see a couple of German suplexes just to establish uh, a authority, then that makes perfect sense. So it's the respect factor that he's there. But if it has to end to end tap out or knockout, I don't know if I see either happening. That's what I don't see happening. I see a scenario where both men are just unable to continue fighting. That would be a double knockout, no? I was thinking more of the, uh, yeah, I guess you could look at that because I was thinking more in the in the way of the double ten count, but yeah, yeah, it's like that rare double knockout UFC finish. But here's the problem with that as well. Um, I guess the problem with that is you gave Riddle a pin win last week, so I guess you got to give Thatcher one, right? You got to make it one one. Well, if you're gonna do fifty fifty booking, I guess yeah, sure you can. Yeah, I think you I think you probably have to give Thatcher one and it's gonna hurt more that he beat Riddle at his game. <sighs> this one's hard to pick. It's it is. hard to pick. It's like you can go by the WWE logic of 50-50 booking, which means Thatcher has to get his back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, complete sidebar. As we're recording this, I'm sitting here watching The Undertaker's Last Ride documentary, and I'm on the chapter uh, in the veneer, which focuses strictly on the whole Triple H, HBK, Kane relationship that Taker has. And uh, they're showing the crown jewel match where Trips towards bicep on a botch whip into the corner. HBK pulls off Kane's mask in the match, misses a moonsault. Triple H does a half-ass pedigree to end it. Like, this whole match was a train wreck. The and Saudi then they match? just... Huh? The Saudi match. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was yeah. a train, train wreck. And they show a little clip of the backstage, and I got closed caption on, where Triple H and Sean come back, and they're like, mm, missed it by that much. <laughs> oh, God, who... That was just horrible. But yes, back to Riddle... And um, Thatcher, do you give Thatcher the win? Hmm. Oh, man. I mean, you could make the chase even that much more relevant because I think that means, all right, let's talk about what we talked about before the pod started. There's a, 
Reports. theory, reports floating around that Riddle's going to end up going to SmackDown soon. In that case, I can totally see Riddle winning this match and then Thatcher just becoming so bloodthirsty to want to end Riddle that the blow-off is that he beats Riddle so bad that he, that he leaves the brand. I can totally see that happening as well. All right, all right. So I'm going to stop you real quick. Um, so you remember last week with Kel where we talked about ass whoopings and how you just can't, how I said ever either you've seen an ass whooping where you just get, somebody just gets their ass whooped so bad. They're like, you know what? I don't even want anymore. And you're like, no, we just go fight again. Yeah, okay. Does that not apply? Like if Thatcher put them paws back on Riddle again, much like he did two weeks ago, when Riddle be like, nah, nah, we're gonna run this back one more time. Like, you wanna keep jumping me? Let's run this again. Right. Yeah, I just don't see Thatcher beating down Riddle and Riddle being like, bro, I'm going to SmackDown now. Uh, well, I, I don't see that happening, but I'm saying if there's a caveat where maybe loser wins in, or loser leaves NXT, so it had to be something like that. I could see Thatcher winning and beating Riddle in a point where Riddle's where Riddle leaves. I could see that, but like Riddle winning and then Thatcher just curb stomping him after the match and Riddle going out like that, that I don't see. Okay. But of course, this is all in the land of Vince and Trips, so you know. We literally saw Drew McIntyre lose his title, get injured, and then debut on Raw like six months later. That's true. So there's no telling how it might end. Better question is, do you think Riddle is SmackDown bound? I don't see how. I know there's a lot for Riddle to do with certain superstars on uh, Raw or SmackDown. Um I don't know. Like, I, I guess I can see him there. I just, I guess what I'm looking at in the midst of the no crowd era that we in, I just don't think it makes sense. There are absolutely feuds I want to see Riddle involved in, but I, I'd rather him get a call up when the crowds are there, when it means more. Hey, so you know how we talked about with Kel, uh, if you're going to bring somebody up, you have to have a plan, or you at least have to give them a chance to prove themselves. You talk about you, there's some fuse that you want to see. Let's just say Riddle takes an L tonight, gets beat down. We don't see Riddle for two, three weeks. And then he debuts on SmackDown. So by those two, three weeks, by the time Riddle debuts, a new IC champ would have been crowned. All right. Okay. What if Riddle debuts to ruin AJ Styles's IC title celebration? Okay. Believe in NXT fans, Jacob's in his bag today. Definitely in his bag today. Um, that's money. You telling me you give me Riddle and Styles off the rip? Yep. That is money. Like I was thinking more Riddle, Daniel Bryan being expectable, but. If AJ Styles still rocking the heel gimmick, which from last week's match, I can't really tell. It was um, two heels. They're, they're both going to be heels. Like, SmackDown, well, SmackDown doesn't really have anything. <laughs> like, face our heel. I'm trying to think about that. Miz and Morrison, even though they're just entertaining. Yeah, but think about it, though. You have 
Miz and Morrison, you have just let's look at the top of the card heel wise. Sure. Other than the fiend, who's at the top that's a heel? Corbin. Is Corbin at the top of the card? I think he can be at any time. Or is he just your most over heel? He's definitely the most over heel. I think he tweens with the top of the card sometimes. All right. So you have Corbin. What else you got? Oh, who else is on SmackDown? Let's, let's do some math here. This does this is also does not help the fact of bringing Riddle over. <laughs> you have Corbin, you have Styles. Well, Shinsuke is a heel. You have Nakamura and Cesaro and Sheamus. And Sheamus could be the big Sheamus could be the biggest heel in the brand, but they have him yeah, they gotta figure toiling with Jeff Hardy. Like I, I don't know why you brought him back to just have him. Because you got to get both of them back work. in. So we just named some. We just named a few. We got some cool, some good heels on the SmackDown roster. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like at the top of the card, though. Like, look at those heels that we just named. Who do you believe is a viable threat right now with no rehabilitation that you could put into a title program? You have the Miz. You have the Fiend. And you have Styles. That's it. From your standpoint, it makes it pretty difficult just because of uh, you want to repackage certain people and put them on that pedestal. But if you're looking at historical standpoints, of course, uh, Miz, Sheamus, I'll even throw out Dolph Ziggler. These are guys that can go straight into a title program. Yeah, I said Dolph Ziggler. Yeah, I said Now, as we're sitting here, Mr. Still Your Girl, who lost to... Otis, who keeps taking these L's to Otis, a man who does a caterpillar, I'm sorry, a worm into an elbow drop for his finisher. No, no. Like, historically speaking, sure, he's a former world champ. You can use that crutch. Yeah, but he ain't been doing nothing. Sheamus, I'll buy. I'll give you Sheamus. Sheamus has been hurt. Yeah, I'll give you Sheamus. Okay. When Dolph Ziggler returned last year, he came right back into a title picture with, with Kofi. And ain't nobody buy that. It, it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. For the match, yeah. But we... it's like It, it should have been me. It should have been me. Like I hated the, the promos, but I mean, Dolph Ziggler was a viable heel at that time. A, a jealous heel. Like, it worked. Now, am I going to buy Dolph Ziggler feuding with Braun Strowman? Probably not. Probably not. It just doesn't work. But um, could he be a great first feud to a guy like Riddle? Yeah, that's his job. That's his role right now. Get other guys over. He's getting Otis over. Because Otis ain't getting over with with just himself, at least not with me. He's not getting over with me just off having... Uh, deli meats and the and the money in the bank briefcase and just being goofy. It just doesn't work for me. Dolph Ziggler is putting Otis over. He owes that man. <laughs> all right, all right. But yeah, and, you know what? I just saw a name on here, um, and I don't actually like bringing up this name on the podcast, but I'm just going to do it. Um, for a guy like Braun Strowman, who we're trying to not view as a transitional champion, 
despite how how obvious it looks, mm-hmm. dare I say a Lars Sullivan feud? Uh, one, I knew you were going to bring that name up. <clears throat> Two, fairly reminded you killed me like three weeks ago when I mentioned this name. Yeah, just because it, it just pains me to say it. I like. Four, is Lars still employed and are healthy and or do they trust him? Oh, you know okay. what? And, and honestly, I think this is one of those things where you're just going to have to force them back in the TV so people just forget. Because it's going to be a big shit storm. No, nah, you ain't forgetting that. Back. You ain't forgetting that. There's <laughs> going to be a storm like nobody's business whenever he gets back to TV. All the... All the tweets are going to come back. All the memes and the gifs are going to come back. But you just got to you got to kind of weather it. You got to weather it and just let it let it pass by at some point. Nah, you ain't forgetting that. I was going to say, what you, before you even bother to do that, you know what you could do? Just go on down to Knox County, Tennessee, and just tell that man, just hey, come on back for a quick little one-off. Okay. Okay, I can see that. I don't, I don't know how that affects his scheduling. Well, you take everything anyway. He can take a few full days out of the office. Ann and Strowman feud could actually be beneficial for a brief period of time. Exactly. You want to give him the rub and all that. You know, there you go. But that's the sidebar. Riddle. Also, here's, here's an idea. Maybe since we're struggling to find heels or you know credibility, whatever you want to, you know, challengers on SmackDown, maybe you make Riddle a heel. You've said this a few times, and I just can't see it. I fail to see how he works as a heel because he becomes. Oh. <clears throat> He lost his smile. He lost his fun. Thatcher whipped him so bad where he's like, you know what? This funny game shit ain't getting it done no more. Okay. Mm. See, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the AJ Styles thing because I think they're telegraphing that he's going to win the title. Um. I'm just hoping this, that it, I'm going to say this about this cage match. I don't think the blow off is tomorrow. Or sorry, I don't think the blow off is tonight. Um, I think that you're either going to see something where both men can no longer compete or Thatcher getting the win over Riddle, therefore going 1-1 and continuing this at TakeOver in your house. That's what I see happening. And maybe that TakeOver in your house match is an I quit match of something that sorts. Um, if Riddle is destined for SmackDown, I think it won't be until August. Just to give this program a little bit more time and hopefully get Pete Dunn back in the fold to kind of do that switch off for Riddle to, um, to leave. All right. I just feel like this is why they're calling him up. There's talks of contracts and all that, but we can ignore all of that. I just feel like they're calling them, calling Riddle up because they don't know when the hell they're going to be able to get Pete Dunn back stateside. And it's like, you don't want this to just sit in purgatory and go longer than necessary. Because after a certain point, like, what are we doing here with them? That's my question. 
Yeah, it's fair. Like, what are we doing? So I'm sure they were like, okay, we'll bring in Thatcher. We'll have the blow off. And then, you know what? We'll find a way to work back in Pete Dunn. And maybe Dunn will come to the aid of Thatcher. Because you probably were going to have Dunn turn on Riddle anyway. Like, it was the most obvious heel turn telegraphed in history. We've all talked about it. But now it's like, oh, we can't get Pete. So Thatcher, we get a blow off. There's no place else for Riddle to go on NXT after this. That makes sense. Like, are you going to throw him in a North American title feud? Keith Lee's a little preoccupied these days. Uh, he is. You going to throw him in the NXT <coughs> title picture? I think that's the one right there. That's a bit of a stretch, depending upon how you handle Thatcher. Well, I, I would I would view Matt Riddle being the one to dethrone Adam Cole through the lens of how 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 you view Adam Cole, which they obviously feel like he's been the greatest champion in NXT. Um, but it's also through the lens of how they view the Velveteen Dream. Do they want the Velveteen Dream to be the guy to do it, or do you feel like there's more to gain from Matt Riddle being that transitional piece? I don't know. I feel like NXT is kind of is kind of lost on the days of the call-up having more meaning. Not saying that it has to have a lot of layers to it. You look at people like Alexa Bliss, she's going on to win five, have five title reigns, didn't need it. Nia Jax has been a multi-time champion as well. So it definitely doesn't mean much uh, for some superstars, but it just feels like those bigger names from yesteryear all had that, that world title reign in NXT. Your Kevin Owens, your Finn Balor's, um, even Shinsuke, Bobby Roos, they had those those title reigns in NXT before they got the call-up. And for some, it meant the world, and they became uh, generational talents on the main roster. And, of course, some, uh, we're still trying to figure it out. But I feel like that's still necessary before calling up certain stock, especially guys with a lot of stock in them, like Matt Riddle. See, that's why I disagree with you. Just because Riddle has a lot of stock in them, so you don't really need to give Riddle the title run. Like, you know he's good. You wouldn't have brought him in. You wouldn't have put him in such a good high-profile profile spot because you got to think about it. Riddle came in. He had a little feud with Cash's Ono, and that was really just everybody gets a go run with Ono because Ono's like, all right. It's like the measuring stick. He's like a gatekeeper fighter. It's like, all right, if you can hang with Cash's, and Cash's says you're good, cool. We'll go on to what we planned for you. And then he went right into it with Velveteen. And it looked like he was going to be undefeated and be the North American champ. So it's like, they know what they have with Riddle. I don't think he needs the NXT title run. Okay. So he doesn't need the NXT title run, but he goes, well, like when, by your theory, he goes straight to SmackDown into a feud with possibly the best worker on the entire roster. Yes. That's pretty big expectations. I mean, you know, we know Styles makes everybody look great. Everybody. But that's, I don't know. I mean, you, you're saying it's like Riddle doesn't know, how, like Riddle can't work. I don't mean, that, don't mean to insinuate that at all. I'm just saying 
like we just looked at his catalog at NXT and it's not it's not that great. <laughs> Riddle's NXT catalog? Yeah. I mean he's got some bangers in there. Match wise, but I'm saying his impact on the brand. Well, all right, so this is a victim of circumstance type thing. Cause during Riddle's whole NXT run, you've had the Ciampa Gargano feud. You've had the emergence and dominance of the Undisputed Era. And you've had the return of Finn Balor. And the emergence of Velveteen Dream. Like you're a victim of circumstance here. You can't tell me you don't see that. Sure. I, I see that. I'm just, trying, I'm just trying to figure out a way where Riddle doesn't sink on the main, on SmackDown. There's nothing on SmackDown for him to sink to. Shit, you cut one Otis segment a week from five to four, and you give that to Riddle. Like, it works. There's no way, we, there's no way you mess up Riddle unless Riddle pulls an RVD and pops. And for the most part, Riddle has been clean. There's been no outside issues. It's just he wants to fight Goldberg. And Brock and tweets about it every time he gets a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yes, I, I mean. I'm hoping that it doesn't happen for another couple months. Let's just put it that way. And, um. I, I still think there's a lot for Riddle to do with NXT, in my opinion. But as far as tonight's matchup between him and Thatcher, I'm going to go with Thatcher. Mm. Mm. I'm going to go Thatcher, but I'm going to throw in the caveat that Kurt Angle plays a part in Thatcher winning. And then we get like a Kurt Angle-Thatcher pairing. Okay. Because there's a reason why Kurt Angle is here. Like, I just went through Kurt being a gold medal winner and all that. But outside of that, there's a reason why you bring Kurt Angle. Especially considering how you released him, like, a month ago. So I'm going to go Thatcher. With some kind of help from Kurt Angle, you get a Thatcher-Angle pairing. Maybe to give Thatcher a little bit of personality as a heel little guidance, and eventually you find a way to get Pete Dunn back over here and you have Thatcher and Dunn as like a tag team stable with Angle. I see that. I mean, that's just my bet. I've been in my bag lately, so hey, maybe it'll happen. Let's see. What we got next? So we, we, we spent a lot of time on Matt Riddle, rightfully we so. We did. We did. Like, I feel so. like the chunk of this podcast has been Fruit, Stadium Stampede, Matt Riddle. Same that Stampede deserve all the time. But we got we to stay on NXT. And I know outside of the cage match, we also have, you know what, before we talk about the, fin- uh, the Group A final, let's, let's talk about this Adam Cole stuff, since we kind of talked about him lightly. And there's rumors floating around of him um, 
his contract mm-hmm. being up and we saw him at an AEW barbecue. Now everybody thinks that he's going to AEW because that's what we do. We jump to conclusions, speculate things, and he's going to have a one-on-one live negotiation with William Regal tonight, which sounds like a contract signing, if we're being honest. I think we just sugarcoated it with something else. This seems like a way to put Adam Cole and a match with Velveteen Dream at, in your house. Yeah, I was going to say, this is probably going to be the end game. Is Velveteen and Cole, or maybe you get a triple threat. Or this, actually, I know WWE. I know how this works. This is what we're going to get. We're going to get a three-on-two handicap match with Cole's title on the line against Loomis and um, Velveteen. And if anybody from UE eats a pin, Cole loses his title. That I'm calling it now. That is extreme. Because um, I'm sitting here thinking, like, what the hell are we negotiating? That's an ex- three on two, because that means we, we pretty much know Bobby Fish going to eat that pin. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's pretty extreme. I don't think they would do something like that for a world title match. But, but like you said, I don't, know what, I don't know what we could possibly be negotiating at all. I don't think there's anything to negotiate unless – like he's what is what has Adam Cole done except retain his title? <laughs> yeah, like what is Cole trying to negotiate? <clears throat> Getting out of defending his title, finding a way to get rid of Velveteen Dream, like right? Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Um, and it's regarding the Velveteen Dream, so it's like we're still doing this storyline. Um, and it, like like we said on last week's pod, we were pretty surprised to see Velveteen Dream actually appear on television. So clearly, even though he, if he's not absolved of all accusations, they still have a plan for him. So I'm thinking that this is going to be some type of takeover in your house match where um, I'd say there's no interference of any kind. I don't know if there will be a gimmick involved in this match, but I'm pretty sure that the Undisputed Era and Dexter Loomis will be barred from ring, ringside. And if they do, anybody does interfere, um, like if you UE interferes in any type of way, Adam Cole is stripped. It has to be something like that. Okay, seems a little more. That seems a little more realistic. But um, you say a gimmick match in this whole Velveteen Dream Undisputed Era feud. We've seen tag team matches. We've seen cage matches. We've seen a street fight. If I'm not mistaken, is what was that got him um, put on the shelf when he was injured. Like, we've seen brawls. We've seen almost all. So, what are you going to make this a ladder match? A diving contest where you, the first person to drop an elbow successfully from the ring to the crowd without using a camera slice? Yeah, has to be um, unedited. That that would be gold. Um... You know, sometimes I think it was last year, but we know um, WWE, specifically the NXT brand, really loves using two out of three falls. <sighs> I just saw that. I just saw Cole win like that. They really love using those two out of three falls matches. So I could see something like that. Because I don't, I don't, I don't see it being. I just don't see it being a gimmick match where where weapons can be involved. I don't, I don't see it happening. 
I'm just trying to figure out like straight up match. We just got that a couple weeks ago. So definitely definitely be a submission match or um you're probably right. It's probably gonna be the outside, no outside interference. If you if somebody comes down cold, you lose the title. Yeah, that's yeah. probably gonna be it. Only other thing I could see outside of that is possibly a um and this is on the theory that Ritter, Riddle and Thatcher could be in an I quit match at in your house. I can see that. Maybe an Iron Man match. Totally be one of those. Haven't haven't seen one of those in a while. What are you gonna make it the 30 minute 15? I mean the Iron Man match, they gotta be an hour. I feel like we just got one of those. Who? Give me a second. I'm going to do my Googles. I feel like we got one. Like, I know we got Sasha Bailey. Let's see here. I don't feel like we've had an Ironman match in a while. Hmm. Felt like we got one with like, all right. You might be right. Felt like there was one on TV though. Felt like it involved Oscar. Mm, nah, not that I could think of. All right, all right, fair enough. Interesting. I like it. I don't feel like there's enough like stock or stake or history, but yeah, I give it to you. I got two workhorse performers, so why not have it blow off in that type of fashion, especially at a pay-per-view that they're um, reprising and in your house. I think that's something that would make sense if this is going to be your main event. Remember how we talked last week about uh, the card not having a main event feel outside mm-hmm. of Cross Champa? This is how you make it main event worthy. You give it some type of stipulation to really showcase both superstars, um, whoever is comes out the winner in that scenario. All right. I got you. I'm with you on it. It'll give a feel to it. A little extra. Mm, yeah. Big match yeah. feel. Got to have the big match feel. You know, it'll really give it a big match feel if you had Josiah Williams wrapping Cole down to the ring again. I would give it a big match feel for sure, but that would also make me feel like Dream is taking that L automatically. I mean, Dream's taking that L automatically regardless. I mean, that, that's what it feels like. Let, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Let's hope that we have have some transition with this title. All right, so Dream takes it. Dream becomes champ. Dream ends Cole's historic run. Then what do you do with Velveteen Dream? I think there's a number of feuds that you can have with Dream. You can finally probably do that <clears throat> that uh, Finn Balor Velveteen Dream bit that they shortchanged on a few weeks ago. And more so, what do you do with Velveteen Dream 
especially if those allegations turn out to lean a little more toward the true side, then what are you going to do? I think if they were to lean out to the to the truth side, then we wouldn't be getting any type of Velveteen Dream appearances or matches here at all. I think that would be done. I don't know. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I don't think we'd see Velveteen Dream at all if there was any truth to the allegations. I think that would be too risky, especially with the way the internet uh, wrestling community is. They are on top of it. These guys are on top of it right at the very moment something happens. Hmm. All right. I just feel like you're right, but there's smoke, there's fire. We haven't heard anything. So, yeah. I just don't like the Velveteen Adam Cole pairing again when we just got it like three weeks ago, basically, is how I'm feeling about it. Okay. That's fair. Has to be meaningful to have the pairings, what you're saying? It's, you did it three weeks ago, and you did it in a way where it felt like it was the end. Like, you kind of left the door open, but it also was like, all right, this is the end. Now we shift into Dream versus Loomis. But it's like you're running it back because you're waiting on something or you just don't have anything else in the chamber. And both concern me. Uh, so that crazy thing about this, I, I think NXT always has something in the chamber, whether we can see it or not. Um, that, that's why I wouldn't be worried about Cole dropping the belt. I think he'll, he'll get his year celebration uh, tonight which will lead into a, a program where he drops title. Cause I don't, I don't know if there's much more Adam Cole can do as champion. It's a victory lap. You just keep winning. You just pad the stacks and you stats and you keep winning. That's what you but do. That, yeah. Victory lap is always meant to come to an end though. But now what Velveteen is, cause here's my thing. We talked about this. Killer Cross is likely next up. And it's the whole argument of, well, you want Killer Cross to be an established name. You don't want him to be the transitional champ. So do you let Velveteen get this and hold it for six months, eight months, however long, and then let Cross beat him? Or do you have Dream hold it temporarily and then drop it to what, Cole again? to make Cole a two-time champ? There's a couple ways you can go there. I think both are, are decent uh, routes, to be honest. What feels bigger? Killer Cross taking the title off of Velveteen Dream or Killer Cross ending Adam Cole's two-year run? Um, if you want to have, like, a heel versus heel blow-off, I mean... Cross being the one to dethrone Adam Cole is bigger, for sure. Um, I can't see a build for that program with just the two of them, though. I think in that scenario, you'd have to have some type of triple threat or fatal four-way and somebody else eat the pin other than Adam Cole. All right. 
And let's also address, we kind of hit it and slightly talked about this. Adam Cole showed up Monday at AEW's Memorial Day celebration. We'll ignore the <laughs> whole social distancing and Corona and everybody's an idiot. We'll ignore that bit. But there's reports that when Adam Cole signed, he signed a deal, and his deal is set to expire around August this year. And to most people's knowledge that are reporting on this, Cole has yet to re-up. So if Cole is yet to re-up and there's talks that he might be leaving, do you pull the title off of him now and just kind of shelf UE or just kind of let him toll around? I don't think there's any need to cool off Adam Cole because he went and had some barbecue with his girlfriend. I <laughs> This is the craziest thing to me. Um, there's always there's always something that works for contracts. I know these these reports always come out. We get excited about them, but they literally happen to everybody. When WWE wants to keep a talent, they always keep a talent. Not true. I'd, I'd say I'd say ninety five percent of the time. I knock it down about ninety, but most famously John Moxley and Matt Hardy. And Matt Hardy even came out of his own mouth and was like, "Yeah, I'd have stayed if you gave me a little more creative control." And that's what I'm saying. That's usually the issue. The issue is creative control that we've seen in recent memory. Adam Cole is on the top of the mountain. They've done very right by Adam Cole's character with the slow build uh, to the top, to the championship, the debut, all of it. And even the run they gave him on the main roster last year during Survivor Series season. There's nothing wrong with creative control over Adam Cole. So I, I don't see that parlaying into contract issues or disputes at all. Um, yeah, I, I, there's not a way I see him leaving at all. All right. I was just going to say, if Velveteen pulls it off, you can say that mm, maybe Cole might be on the way out. But yeah, I, think I, he just, I think he was just being a supportive boyfriend. That's all I think he was doing. On the heels of Britt Baker having a very bad injury, he's like, yeah, I can get some barbecue with the old folks and it won't be a bad thing. He didn't know he was going to be uh, photographed. Rumor has it Tony Schiavone was drunk as hell. He Probably was taking pictures of everybody. He didn't know he was going to be in the background of that picture. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. This ain't 1998. This ain't the Chicago Bulls era. Like, come on, man. When you, when you go to a social gathering, are you worried about if you'll be in a picture or are you just having a good time living in the moment? I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Am I walking around as the longest reigning NXT world champion and that social gathering is a rival company? Again. They know that Britt Baker works there. He was supporting his other half. I mean, I, I can't knock him. I yeah, can't knock I, him. I'm not knocking him. And we talked about this before we came on the air of how Britt showed up at TakeOver and we got the whole concern Britt Baker thing. Let's just be, let's just be completely honest here and call a spade a spade. Cody and company don't quite seem as petty or spiteful as Vince and company. Fair? Very fair. So, like, Brit showing up, they're not going to be like, oh, we have to send a message or punish you. They're like, okay, cool, yeah, go ahead, support your boyfriend. We get it, y'all live together, whatever. Cool, go ahead, support him. It's a big moment for him. Vince seeing this and is like, pretty sure he got on the phone and was like, hey, Hunter, what the hell is this? Did you okay this shit? Like, what the hell is this? We got to do something here. Like, this is not acceptable. You are the face of our franchise, star of our brand. We are in a quote-unquote war with these guys. 
Well, that's where the that's where the thought process differs. I, I don't think Vince believes he's in a war with them at all. Bullshit. <laughs> I, I think he knows he's a superior brand and and he's fine. All right. So you say that. If one, if Vince didn't think this was a war or he wasn't aware of them, he would never send Charlotte to NXT. Okay. Like you send your heavy hitter, your ace. Your little Joker, not quite your big Joker, because your big Joker is Roman Reigns. You send your little Joker down to NXT for a ratings boost, draw some eyes or whatever. And why do you do that? Because there's a show on the other side of the tracks that is giving you the business right now, according to a bunch of people. Us? Mm, Yeah, not so much. So there's that. Two, we've talked about the last dance off and on most of the past couple episodes, right? Yeah. And you've seen all the memes of Michael Jordan being like, yeah, I took it personally. You know, George Gall walked by me. You know, we knew each other from all these Carolina days. And you couldn't say hi to me at dinner. Like, I get where the finals, but you couldn't say hi. So I took it personally and I made it my mission to bust his ass. And you've seen all the memes of, oh, they breathed at me. So I took it personally. That is Vince. That is literally Vince McMahon. You dare start a wrestling business? I take it personally. Look at how hard Vince has gone to take guys from Ring of Honor, from PWG, from New Japan. Like, come on. Like, I'm pretty, I'm almost sure that Drew Gulak, we talked about this before, Drew Gulak has been gone for two weeks. Let his contract expire, left for two weeks, said he wanted more money, allegedly, so on and so forth. I'm pretty sure Drew was like, oh, I got an AEW offer. Oh, once Ring of Honor opens back up, PWG, I'm going there. And Vince is like, you know what? Here's some money. I'll just stash you on my sidelines. He did it with EC3. Vince is like, nah, I'm going to stash as much as I can to keep the AEWs and Impacts weak. Yeah, you just released a bunch of people. And you're like, all right, whatever. But come on. If Vince could have kept Rusev and actually had a happy Rusev, you don't think Vince would have kept him? I think there are certain talents where where Vince doesn't mind losing it all, where he's like, all right, you think you can hack it on your own? Go ahead. See, yeah. see how you do it out of this in our, in our global reach and our financial uh, freedom, stuff like that. So I think Rusev, the Revival, uh, even to an extent, uh, Fox fall in that. Yeah, they fall into that category because I think when you look at Rollins and Reigns, they were like, all right, we still got these two guys. We try to appease them. He wants to leave, let him leave. So what? But I think a star of the magnitude of Adam Cole, which we've seen him go over some of these other bigger stars that they have already, I don't, I, I don't think they would risk run the gauntlet of losing him. I, I just don't see that. They know that he's he's ace in the hole either in NXT or even coming up uh, to the main roster and certain storylines and angles. So I think this will be like a slap on the wrist, if anything, if they even acknowledge it. But they wouldn't run the risk of saying, like, all right, we're going to piss this guy off and make him want to leave because you have the best faction in the company with Undisputed Era. They move merchandise. You're right. You're not going to lose out on moving merchandise and appeasing a large part of your fan base because a man went to go have some barbecue with his girlfriend. It just doesn't exist. All I'm saying is Vince McMahon has done weirder shit. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. This would be the ultimate petty move that 
that would be the ultimate petty move. I, I can't I can't even endorse it. I I don't think it'll happen where he'll like bury him or anything of that nature. But where does shit has happened? This is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. You know. And I also don't think that Cole is in that like Teflon territory. Like if The Rock showed up at AEW, Vince would be like, eh, whatever. Cool. All right. Let's say Ric Flair shows up, Vince would be like, all right, cool. Whatever. Eh, can't really do anything. Like you're in that weird Teflon spot. Like if The Undertaker showed up, Vince would lose his shit. And yeah. I think for Cole, Vince is like, well, what do I do here? I got to do something, I feel like. Vince is like, my inside is telling me I should do something. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't see any poking of the bear with that. Plus, Adam Cole, Triple H, Sean, running XT. Adam Cole was one of their big fish. I don't think they let Vince uh, play with that at all. Yeah, I'm just I think, saying. I think he's a little protected there. If Cole ends up being made to look stupid tonight, that could be, that could be it, and that be the end of it. Like if they do something where you're like, "Come on, like really, like that's just completely stupid and obvious." There you go. Time will tell. Exactly. Time will tell. But if Adam Cole does leave, you got to imagine Fish and O'Reilly ain't too far behind. Yeah, I can see that. Totally see that. And, you know, AEW's next big one. Yeah, it'd be a blow. It'd be a huge blow. Major loss. Speaking of losses... We're going to get our finale to the interim NXT Cruiserweight uh, title, interim title tournament. Group A, we got a triple threat match. Drake Maverick, Kushida, Jake Atlas. Winner is going to take on El Hijo del Fantasma, who's still not kidnapped, which brings me great pain. Um, I don't see a way. I, I, obviously, the money has to be on Kushida, hundred percent. Don't wouldn't argue otherwise. I don't see a way how you build this whole storyline here and Drake Maverick loses. I think it would be a huge mistake to have Drake Maverick lose after doing this entire angle and build up where he's fighting for his job and is so close to becoming champion. So I think Drake Maverick pulls one out here. He's actually the one that pins um, Jake Atlas, kind of. Getting his win back over Jake Atlas, if you if you would. I think Kushida's going to do all the work in the match. He's going to have all the great spots. I think Jake Atlas has the most interesting finisher in the company, despite how unnecessary it is. Um, I got Drake Maverick, though. <sighs> Every week that we talk about Drake Maverick, I flip-flop back and forth. On how I feel about them using Maverick's release and everything. Right, right. It's just 
I know it's not Atlas. I just don't see Atlas getting it. He just got here. Let's flesh him out a little bit more. Just not your time, kid. So that leaves Kushida, and that leaves Drake Maverick. I just don't see... Well, this isn't a Vince thing. This is more of a Trips thing. So I guess you could see two non-English speakers compete for the Cruiserweight title. Albeit Kushida can speak English, and I'm pretty sure Phantasma can as well. It's just not their primary language. I I don't know. I genuinely don't know how this is going to go. Kushida has looked like money this whole entire tournament. He's the favorite. He came in with all the hype when they signed him. Don't forget, he had that match and that little bit with Walter before he got injured. So they see yep. things in Kushida. They do. They, they trust Kushida. Damn it, I'm going to go Drake Maverick. As you should. Just going to play with some more emotions. I'll say Drake Maverick. They'll, I'll probably change my pick if Maverick wins this when we do our takeover preview on who will win the interim title, but yeah. Well, I think it all makes sense to have him continue to go forward to take on um, Devlin when, it makes, when that actually blows over. But at the same time, I, I mean, I wouldn't argue with anybody if Kushida won this whole tournament and took on Devlin, because I think that's a big match for another pay-per-view down the road. Yeah, and I'm coming around to the whole Devlin crushes, Drake Maverick puts it into his story, sends him out. Because it becomes the whole Ric Flair storyline leading into that WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels, where it's like one more loss and you're gone, Rick. Mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people forget that was the buildup. It was Vince and Rick and Vince was like, oh, your next match that you lose, you're out of here. Like you're done. And Rick went on like a three-month run leading up to the Sean match that everybody remembers. So I get it, but it's just like, damn, did you really fire the man or not? Right. And if you did fire him, why are you turning his emotions into a thing? Yeah, it's it's kind of crooked to do that. But, I mean, it's working. It has us engaged. So, from that aspect, um, using the emotions to attract fans could be a good thing to to launch certain superstars, which I can't argue from that standpoint. Um, it, makes you, it makes you wonder about the other guys that when you say furloughed, let go, because obviously we're saying Kurt Angle back. But Kurt Angle is in vastly different uh, position than Drake Maverick. We look at the the type of career he had, but like I said before, Drake Maverick had, has done something this quarantine that only I'd say Oscar has done with being entertaining. He took his Instagram, his social media handle on Twitter, and he made content that was so engaging for not only just wrestling fans, but for people outside of wrestling who were stuck in the house as well. He showed that he can be entertaining. So I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't, be too put far to, put too far past me if they had some type of handshake deal um, to keep him in the forward. Yeah, saw reports that they're going to bring back certain wrestlers that they've released, but it's just you released a man 
and I can argue that I get why you did it, but I can also sit here and go, you're a billion dollar company. Like eat this L and then it goes into the whole theory of you don't become a billionaire by doing what's right. It's just, you played with real life emotions. That's what's bothering me. It's just the, you took his actual emotions of it and now you're turning it into an angle. And it's not like the edge, Matt Hardy, where you took the real life issues and you played it into an angle. You basically fired the man from his dream job. And I was like, all right, you know what? We're going to give you this run. We're going to put a title on you. And we still might let you go after this is all said and done. Because it's never been as Drake Maverick entertaining. The man used his wedding for the 24-7 title. Like The man's entertaining is all hell across social media and on TV. And the man can also wrestle because if you go watch him as Rockstar Spud and Impact, he can go. And as you've seen in this tournament, he can go and he can wrestle various styles. Yeah. So it's just like, well, shit, what are we, like, we're playing a story here with real-life emotions, and if you fire the man, then you just look like an asshole. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm going to go Drake Maverick for the night because I kind of want to see this play out, and I hope they don't fire him. So, I think that's the big payoff here is to see it play out. I kind of want to see it just play out how it's supposed to play out. I think that's where the money is in Drake Maverick right now on top of uh, the emotional storyline that we've been led to believe this whole time, whether true or false. So we're both taking Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick will take Alan El Hijo del Fantasma, which I'm going to make a prediction now. That match will not happen because Phantasma will be kidnapped, and Drake will just be awarded the title. No. No. That's what's going to happen. I feel like what's going to happen is the match will happen, Maverick will find a way to win, and then they finally kidnap Phantasma. See, I don't don't even think we need the match. Throw the the whole match away. Throw it away. No, you can't just hand a man a title. What is this, early 2000s Monday Night Raw? We just opened a briefcase here, you world champ. No. Very good. They just handed Asuka the title. 100% can. She earned that title. There's a difference. Huh? Just saying. Because you can make the argument that really, if they wanted to, they could have had Asuka come out while Becky's doing a promo, roll her ass up, one, two, three, Raw Women's Champ. Yeah. Like you're using the logic that having the money in the bank briefcase is a guaranteed win and that you're guaranteed champ. And if you're using women's one specifically, there's yet to be a failed women's cash in. This is true. So she earned I'm it. just she saying beat. we should just skip over the Phantasma match. Let's get to the devil and smoke. No, nah, man, you just hate Phantasma. That's all let's that just, is. Let's just get these promos started. Let's get all that in the fold because that's going to be highly entertaining. That's what we need in our lives. Devlin versus Maverick. Winner take all. What are some other things we can see on NXT tonight? I mean, more shots of Oh, yeah, some Shotzi. Uh, Shotzi was noticeably in the 
the crowd for Monday Night Raw. We'll probably see something going on with her, between her, Tegan, Raquel, and Dakota. Um, we might see Imperium in action this week since we saw Lorcan and Birch in action last week. It looks like they're heading on a crash course. Um, Malcolm Bibbles was in the call crowd on Monday Night Raw. And we'll see his tag team. Just about to bring up Bivens. And, you know, Bivens catches a lot of flack on social media, and I love it. Oh, yeah. Like... He's the one everybody loves to hate. Yeah, whoever runs USA's Twitter account is great when it comes to Michael Bivens. Like, they took a screenshot of Bivens in the crowd, and they tweeted, noted hater of the year candidate, Michael Velli, in attendance here tonight. <laughs> Gold. Uh, yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I don't even need the Punjabi Punishers. I just need Bivens. Like, you leave whatever their name is and the other one. You leave Million Dollar Arm and his friend. Wow. Like, I don't need them. I just need Bivens. I'm with you on that. We're, we're a little overdue for a Bivens promo from these past few weeks while the tag team division is completely, um, I guess, rebuilding itself. Yeah. And I'm hoping the Black Tribal Elite shows up this week. I'd say one, if not two, will be featured this week. Yeah, I, I don't care who it is. I just want the Black Chopper Elite. It's growing. They're growing. They are building the Black Chopper Elite week by week. Eventually, you know, they're going to be a stable. Yeah, so I was say, we need to go ahead and just start getting some merch pumping out. Like Black Chopper Elite podcast, Hat Team Champs. So I'm telling you, if I see it, Sending a C and D. <laughs> that cease and desist. Yeah, but yeah, I expect that. I expect maybe a promo from Charlotte, Rhea, or EO, some combination. Um, what else am I expecting tonight? More Gargano, Candice LeRae. More of that with Keith Lee and Mia Young. Oh yeah, probably some dinner with the Garganos. Yeah, because. We, we're getting a match at TakeOver involving those four. We just don't know what match yet. Yeah, we don't know what type of match just yet, but there will be some type of blow-off blow within between those four. So I'm expecting that. We'll get Finn probably responding back to Damian Priest. A few more promos. Cameron Grimes might be in action. Nothing too, too heavy, but a very solid episode, though. Wow. Um, yeah, we better not get a Cameron Grimes squash match. That, that better not happen. I said a promo. I ain't seen nothing about a squash match. Don't need to see one of those again. <laughs> Especially not against our, our growing Black Jobber Elite. <sighs> well, he did beat the uh, Black Steiner brothers, so. <sighs> frustration. The frustration mounts. Yeah, but, you know, I don't think, I'm not, I don't expect Killer Cross to show up. I don't expect the Killer Cross promo. Maybe Chompa. Something with the tag. Yeah, that's about all I'm expecting, really. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. There, there, there'll definitely be more action on this week's NXT than last week since we were pretty promo-heavy. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, there definitely be some like sliding matches that we didn't know about. Yeah, I'm sure they'll probably give Dexter Loomis a match. They'll find some way. They pretty much they pretty much killed Roderick Strong last week. <sighs> yep, choked him out and gave him a nice little rub, just a little pat on the head. Yeah, there'll be some more with Loomis versus the era. But yeah, this should be a pretty, pretty full filled up NXT that's just a week out from the go home show for NXT takeover in your house. Yep, everything on this episode is one hundred percent going to have a purpose. Like everything is going to flush out or help fill out the takeover in your house card. Absolutely. And I also expect Riddle and Thatcher to take up a good 30 minutes. And maybe some BS gimmicky rules to make it like a UFC fight. Yeah, like no illegal knees to the head in a guard position. I don't know. There'll be some stuff going on. We'll make it rounds. Something. Or just a little fight. It'll be worth it. Be absolutely worth watching. Yep, it'll be worth watching. And even if it's not worth watching as a whole, we'll still be here Saturday morning with your audio dope, breaking everything down and recapping it. And said will be here praying or upset that Fantasma didn't get kidnapped again. You know what else is was worth? You know what else was worth watching that I was gonna tie this whole thing full circle? What's that? The stadium stampede match, damn it. The damn stadium stampede match. If you ain't seen stadium stampede match, do yourself a favor. Watch stadium stampede match. I know this is believing in NXT, but we can show we, in the internet wrestling community. We show love where love is due. Damn it, that'll be the best forty-five minutes of your life this whole twenty twenty. I guarantee it. <sighs> That's all I gotta say about that. That's all I gotta say about that. You know what? I hear the go home music playing. I'm not even going to go back down this rabbit hole. Oh, it was a huge rabbit hole. Like, we didn't <laughs> somehow mention passion fruit and everything else. Hey, drop it. Huge hey. rabbit hole we just went down. But I mean, yeah. in the beginning of the show, that is totally yeah, worth it. Though. Throw my cat down a rabbit hole because he just stole something. So, yeah. This has been the Believe in NXT podcast with your Wednesday preview for NXT tonight. I'm Jacob. That said, I have a cat to go catch and or kill. I will give you guys an update on that on Saturday morning on how that went. (laughs) Make sure to follow the Believe in NXT Twitter. That's at Believe in NXT. Um, We'll be live tweeting from the account. Got some more gems for you guys. Posting more videos from our multiple interviews we've had with uh, Jeff J, Andreas Hill, uh, Kel Dansby, Emilio Sparks. We're going to make sure we start giving you guys more content. Listen to those episodes, man. Oh, yeah. We, we got to get a blow-off episode to finish the Nas debate, but it's good content from some great individuals that are part of this body we call the wrestling community. Yeah, they are the best at what they do in their respective realms. We all we look up to them. We appreciate them coming through. Part one of Kel dropped on Monday, so go check that out. Part two will be dropping this coming Monday because we got so much content from Kel. I didn't want to hit you guys with a Joe Budden linked episode. 
So it just makes sense to split it in two. So yeah, go check that out. Yes, sir. I'm Jacob. That's said. And until y'all get that Saturday morning audio dope, we're out of here. We out.